Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm and on Super Talk Mississippi across the state of Mississippi. Glad to have you along for the ride today. Welcome to the weekend, or at least almost welcome to the weekend. I guess we'll say that officially just after 5 o'clock today. Richard Cross, Will East. You're going to have Will in the big chair for the next few days as Michael Borky is, uh, is officially on break for his wedding. He is getting married tomorrow, will be on his honeymoon next week, and will rejoin us a week from Monday. Sports Talk is brought to you every afternoon by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you are looking at anything related to land in North Mississippi that requires money, then it's probably worth a call or a visit to the local branch office closest to you of Mississippi Land Bank. They've been financing land for 100 years. doesn't matter if you're a farmer or not. Mississippi Land Bank can help with help you. Maybe you're going to build a house in the country, a dream home on a piece of property. Maybe it's hunting land. Or maybe you are a farmer with equipment needs or time to enlarge the size of the farm. Mississippi Land Bank can help. Again, their website, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. All right, Will, you know what you're doing, right? You know all the buttons to press? I've got most of them figured out by now, hopefully. Very good. Very good. You're the one that taught Michael Borky all the buttons to press, right? <laughs> that's why he does such a bad job of it sometimes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, for the most part, refrain from taking shots at Michael Borky, <laughs> although it's not going to be 100%. We'll take some shots along the way. Uh, Brian Haydad will join us in the second half of the show this afternoon from 4.30 until we wrap things up at 6 o'clock this afternoon. Brian's got Rippy in the studio right now. Rippy, what's up? Not much. Safe travels today? Yes. I am in Oklahoma City where it is grayer than gray. Like, if you can imagine a cold, gray winter day, then that's what it looks like out my hotel room window. I'm right uh, right next door to Chesapeake Energy Arena, which is where the Oklahoma City Thunder play. I've got, uh, got a game tomorrow with Oklahoma and Wichita State tomorrow morning. So, yeah, safe travels. Um so no issue at all going Memphis to uh, Memphis to Dallas, and no issue making the connection. Get on the plane in Dallas. We push back from the the jet bridge, taxi out to the runway. We're in line to take off, and then we keep taxiing and keep taxiing. And eventually, the fi- the pilot comes over the uh, the loudspeaker on the plane, and he goes. So you may realize that we've been taxiing for a little bit longer than normal. He said. Um, we're, we're actually going back to our original gate. We had a circuit breaker that blew. 
And we've got to get maintenance to check that out. And then when we get back to the gate, he said, so let me explain this a little farther. He said, everybody knows what a circuit breaker is. You've got the, you know, the switch box in your house and, you know, a breaker trips and you go flip it and it's no big deal. He said, well, this is actually a three phase circuit, which is like what you have, I don't know, for like bigger appliances. He said, it's a little bit bigger deal. We're going to wait on maintenance. And then we had to wait on a maintenance supervisor. And then another maintenance supervisor, and then they finally said, uh, we're going to go ahead and deboard. Found us another plane and uh, made it to Oklahoma City without uh, without incident. So I guess that's good. Um, better down here I, than up there, right? The circuit breaker issue was. Say what? I said better down here than up there, right? Yeah, you know, I'm glad that that's something that happened while we were taxiing to the runway as opposed to, oh, I don't know, 15,000 feet up into the air. Seems like it might have been a bigger deal if it had happened, uh, had happened there. But made it, uh, made it along with, uh, with no incident. So, Rippy, uh, certainly some big football news today as it pertains to the state of Mississippi. Uh, I guess let's start with, uh, with something that is official at this point. And that is Hugh Freeze now has a job. He is a head coach once again for an FBS independent. He is now the head football coach for the Liberty Flames. Uh, Turner Gill was the coach there. That's uh, Turner Gill, who formerly was the head coach at Buffalo, spent a couple of years at Kansas. That was a little bit of a disaster. Had been really good um, when uh, Liberty was still in the FCS. They won... Oh, I think it was five Big South titles in seven years or six years that they were in the conference. Maybe it was four. Made the transition to FBS this past year as an independent. They're not a part of a conference, but an interesting opportunity for uh, for Hugh Freeze. And it seems like most of the national people are looking at this and uh, and saying this seems like a pretty good opportunity. I think it's a good fit. That was one of, if not the first places he went and kind of spoke right when he kind of tiptoed back into yeah, the was. public eye um so i mean it makes sense and it's 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 probably better for multiple parties involved that he is kind of doing this and he is a head coach and he's not going to be necessarily kind of in the recruiting spotlight and 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 back at an sec job and things of that nature just from you know for a lot of different reasons so i think it makes sense it's a it's a good fit and you know I'm all about people getting second chances, so good for him. Yeah, I- indeed. Um, Liberty is an evangelical university, and uh, Jerry Falwell is their president. I guess it was his father, Jerry Falwell Sr., that established Liberty as a school, and then Jerry Falwell, the son, is currently the president of the university. The athletics director, interestingly enough, is Ian McCall, who was the former Baylor athletic director and there were a lot of people that rolled their eyes when he got the uh, the ad job at liberty uh falwell has said publicly that uh, that their mission as a university is to become what notre dame is to the catholic faith for uh, for evangelicals so uh, it's a a reasonably sized university as far as uh, just student population goes but their online school is like a hundred thousand students so um yeah it's a it's a school with a big endowment They've done a lot for facilities. And, you know, I said earlier this week on the radio that I I thought there were two options for Hugh Freeze that made sense. Now, this is just my opinion. It's not what Hugh Freeze has said to me or anybody connected to him has said to me. But I thought it made sense for Hugh Freeze to either get a head coaching job 
at a group of five school, which this is this is actually an independent, but kind of falls in the same category, or to become an offensive coordinator somewhere outside the SEC footprint. And that's obviously the route he goes. I haven't seen the terms of his contract at this point, uh, but they were paying Turner Gill almost a million dollars. He was nine hundred and fifty, nine hundred seventy thousand last year, something like that. So my guess is it's a seven-figure payday for uh, Hugh Freeze as he jumps back in after just a year away from the game. Liberty comes to Oxford in 2021 as well. They do. Do you think Hugh Freeze will still be the football coach at Liberty three years from now? What? So obviously three years. We're talking that being his third season, right? So yeah, I guess you go 19. Right. Oh, I don't know. I'd probably lean no, but that wouldn't shock me, right? I mean, Lane Kiffin's about to go on his third year at FAU. Kind of different situations, but you know that's not exactly an eternity to spend, you know, recuperating your image and, and things like that. I, I don't know. That would that would be an interesting weekend if if that is the case. It, it will be. Um, Lane Kiffin is an interesting comparison. The other one that I might give you would be uh, would be Bobby Petrino who went to Western Kentucky as opposed to jumping back in as an offensive coordinator, chose to be a head coach, spent two years at Western Kentucky, and then made the jump to Louisville. Yeah, no, that's that's another one kind of in the similar type trajectory. So obviously, I guess two years, Freeze would miss it by a year, but you never know. If you stick around for that third year, then you'll have quite the weekend in Oxford. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly would be the case if that happens in 2021. The other news that's going on, this is certainly not official, but uh, a lot of folks in the state of Mississippi, especially Ole Miss fans, uh, focused on the defensive coordinator search for Ole Miss. And we'll get into this coming up uh, in more detail uh, about half an hour from, uh, from right now. Um, Pete Golding's name will not go away. Uh, there, were, uh, there was a lot of um, online speculation and innuendo and some actual reporting uh, that happened last night uh, that said Pete Golding was still a possibility for Ole Miss. Um, i just kind of tell you at this point through some sources that we've been able to confirm with, uh, there is indeed from Ole Miss uh, a verbal offer, not a written offer, but a verbal offer for a three-year contract at $1.5 million per year. Now, what sources have told me is that there is not a verbal agreement. There, there are some who have said that there is actually a verbal agreement in place. The documents just aren't signed yet. I'm, I'm told that there is not an agreement between the two parties, that only there is an offer for Ole Miss, and certainly the offer is there for Pete Golding to uh, take it or not take it. Also have been able to confirm, and others have as well, that Mike McIntyre was in town yesterday, met with Matt Luke, had dinner with him last night, and um, his wife was with him as well. And at least she is still in Oxford, at least as of earlier today. I don't no know if McIntyre longer in uh, town. Mike McIntyre's actually still in Oxford also. Say what? No longer in town from what I've been told in the last hour. Okay, so they have, uh, have headed out. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up in just a little bit. Up next on the Farm Bureau phone line, we'll check in with Jimmy Dykes, college basketball analyst from ESPN. Huge weekend coming up for the SEC in hoops. That's next in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. doesn't get any better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Friday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippey in the studio, Will East driving the bus. Michael Borky is out until a week from Monday. Brian Haydad will join us a little bit later this afternoon. But right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We're joined by Jimmy Dykes, college basketball analyst from ESPN. Well, uh, hopefully we'll do that in uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Jimmy Dykes is going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend, Alabama and Arizona, part of a big slate of games for the uh, for the SEC from a basketball standpoint this weekend. Listen to the schedule tomorrow. South Carolina is at Michigan. Michigan State is at Florida. Kentucky and Seton Hall are playing at Madison Square Garden. Western Kentucky is at Arkansas. Clemson and Mississippi State are playing at the Prudential Center in Newark. It's part of the the, uh, Never Forget Classic. That's not the name of it, but it's tied to 9-11. Boston College is at Texas A&M. Ole Miss is at Illinois State. Dayton is at Auburn. And then on Sunday, you've got Arizona at Alabama and Tennessee meeting number one Gonzaga. I think we're joined now by Jimmy Dykes from ESPN. Jimmy, a couple of weeks ago, we spent some time together in the Bahamas. I'm in Oklahoma City now. I don't know what the weather's like in Tuscaloosa, but I bet it's not as warm as it was in, in Nassau. Yeah, it is. Uh, by my car here, I'm just pulling in Tuscaloosa. It says it's 43 degrees. So I'm pretty sure our boy Sebastian has a, has a lot better weather than you and I do right now. Yeah, yeah, that was Sebastian, the uh, the sea lion at the sea lion. Uh, at Atlantis. Call him a seal. Do not call him a seal. No. I'll hang up. That's right. Can't can't insult <laughs> Sebastian. Hey, we talked about this a little bit. You, you and I kind of away from the radio and away from television. There was an opportunity right out of the gate this year for the SEC to really make some noise and kind of validate some of the preseason predictions for the league being really really good, but teams from the SEC have stumbled in some of those opportunities, whether you're talking about the opener with Kentucky and Duke or Tennessee having a close call with Kansas, uh, Texas and Arkansas, or Texas gets the win against Arkansas opening night. But this weekend is a huge opportunity weekend for the SEC. Yeah, it's probably the most important weekend so far that league has had, but because of what you just said and the league got off to a really uh, – they got knocked back that very first night when Kentucky just got ripped apart. I mean, it was – they just got ripped apart. And then you flip over to the highlights of Florida, Florida State, and the same thing was happening to, to Florida against the Seminoles. And the league has worked so hard to get to a point where they're in the conversation of are they the best college basketball conference in the country and – and they've made a, they've made huge steps, but they've had some of those losses this year. That right now, instead of being projected to have eight or nine teams in, they're looking at being projected to have six or maybe seven. And that, is that going to change? Absolutely. It could shrink or it could grow, but it's all based upon what they do in non-conference. That's why they were so good last year. They they did their work during the month of November and December as a league in in, in general. And this weekend is huge. The you know, the, the, the Tennessee-Gonzaga thing, is a, that, that's a big deal for SEC team on a neutral floor to potentially knock off the number one team in the country right now where they're ranked. I, I think Gonzaga is one of the top seven or eight teams. I wouldn't necessarily say they're the best team, but the ranking right now beside their name is justifiable based upon who they've beaten. 
but there's, I think you're reading the, reading the, the, the games when I came on the air with you that it's a huge weekend for SEC basketball, absolutely. And, and, you know, the interesting thing to me is that if you rewind a couple of years, you don't have a weekend like this because outside of Kentucky, who, you know, was kind of able to schedule who and where they wanted to and, and played a bunch of neutral site games every year, most teams weren't playing this kind of schedule in the first month of the season, but most everybody in the SEC has played at least one really good team, and several teams have played two or three really good teams kind of across the country so far. Well, yes, and it goes, Richard, to the, the leadership of Commissioner Sankey and Dan Leibovitz and Trangizi, all the work just done behind the scenes to to drive them to the point slash make them upgrade their schedules because the SEC for years tried to hide behind the, the, the power that's associated with those three letters, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work on Selection Sunday or the, the the four days leading up to it when the selection committee is sitting together trying to figure out who belongs in the bracket. Being attached to a league does nothing for you. It's you have to stand on your own. And who did you beat? Who did you schedule? Who did you beat? Where was this game? Where was the game played? And what was the outcome? And and uh, the SEC now they they have that they have that mentality. And um, you know Florida needs to they need to write their they they, they need to write their way right now. They probably have as big of opportunity as anybody in the SEC this weekend with Michigan State rolling in, who's one of the top seven or eight teams. When I just watch college ball as a whole, uh, Florida, Florida has to play really, really well. And they, they need a win like that for us to all kind of believe in Florida again, that they're an NCAA tournament team. You know, Arkansas has, a, I think, a, a great opportunity against a Western Kentucky team that's outside of the Power Five, but they're a Power Five product at home to continue their winning streak of six or seven in a row now. I think if there's a team in the league that's kind of still undervalued and off the radar, it's Arkansas. They are an overtime loss on opening night away from being in the top 25. The loss they had to Texas, and they and they, they kicked the game away, Rich, in the last minute. They had the game won and didn't execute. Yeah. But I think they're good. I think they're good and they're explosive. And, you know, you and I, we, we've, we've had our eyes on this league now for the last couple of years, uh, in particular on the men's side for me, and Kentucky grew up. I thought last last weekend I had them against UNC Greensboro in the second half, but now we'll have to see how much have they really grown up. I mean, they're going to play Seton Hall on a neutral floor in a game that they should win, and those those are uh, that, that that's just something that Kentucky is supposed to do. And we'll see if that, that young team has really grown like many people think they have. Jimmy Dykes from ESPN, college basketball analyst on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Jimmy, let's talk about the two teams in Mississippi for a second. We'll start with Mississippi State. They're playing in Newark this weekend against a pretty good Clemson team out of the ACC. Mississippi State made a run in the NIT a year ago. They, they end up losing in the quarterfinals or the semifinals at Madison Square Garden. Everybody back, two impact freshmen in, uh, in Woodard and, uh, and Reggie Perry, what do you see from Ben Howland's team so far this year? Well, I, I, I think they are a better version of what they were last year, a tougher version, more depth. Uh, their win at Dayton, you and I had Dayton in the Bahamas. That's, that, that's a good team. That was a good, that was a, that was a good win for Mississippi State, you know, and that, that, that arena was, was rocking that night, and I, uh, exchanged text message with with Ben the next day, and he he was really proud as should be of that win. And I think they have 
if you just start looking at do they have the individual players to finish in the top three or four in the league, absolutely they do. Uh, do they have the size? Do they have the depth? Yes. Do they have a coach? Yes. They, they check a lot of the boxes. And the, the question will remain, can they make enough perimeter shots against really good defense? They, they have seemed to answer that question at times so far this year. Uh, Nick Weatherspoon in particular, last time I looked, uh, was, was shooting the ball well. But that's a, you know, that's a team that, you know, they, they could be the team that they used that NIT run last year to kind of project themselves with a lot of confidence this year. But I can, and I, I, I look forward to seeing them. I, I like their size. The, the two freshmen have just given them a, a different look than they had last year to go to. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Adu fan. I just think for what he's supposed to do, he does it every single night. Those kind of guys are hard to find. Just They set hard screens, they rebound, they defend, they run, they give you everything they have. And there's, a, there's a lot of value in guys like that. And, Jimmy, only about a minute left. When, when you look at Ole Miss under first-year head coach Kermit Davis, people said that, that Kermit Davis would have this team playing hard. They got a win against, uh, against San Diego, pretty good team out of the, uh, the West Coast Conference at home uh, a week or so ago. What, what do you make of Ole Miss so far? Yeah, I, I don't think, well, obviously there were some people that thought a Kermit Davis coach team was going to finish last, and that's not going to happen. Like, I, I don't care – what talent and what league you put Kermit Davis in, he ain't going to finish last. He's too good of a coach, too competitive, <laughs> coaches too tough of a brand of basketball. And I don't know who's going to finish last in the SEC, but it's not going to be Ole Miss. Uh, he has those guys believing in effort, believing in uh, the small things matter, believing in defense. They move the ball. You know, they got, the, but you look at those guards, uh, Schuler and TD and uh, Tyree, they, they've played a lot of minutes. And there's great value. I, you know, I've talked about it. I like old. Old wins. I'm not saying the Ole Miss is going to win the SEC championship, but, but old wins games in the league, and that's what they're going to do because of those older guards. Yeah. Jimmy, really appreciate your time. We'll be watching on uh, on Sunday afternoon, Arizona and Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That's at noon on ESPN. Look forward to talking to you soon, my friend. Bye, Richard. Don't get stuck in OKC. I'm going to do my best to get home tomorrow night. That is Jimmy Dykes from ESPN. Good dude and really good college basketball analyst as well. We've got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be rejoined by Brian Scott Rippey when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along for the ride on this Friday afternoon. Brian Haydad will join us a little bit later, coming up about 4.30. Brian's got Rippy on board for right now and Will East in the studio, which means lots of, lots of rock. 
Lots of heavy metal. Lots hey, Borky metal. told me that you were anti-Christmas songs for <clears throat> bump music leading up to Christmas. Is that accurate? Uh, it is this week because or next week because uh, I'm putting together this uh, playlist for Steve Azar and the uh, Mississippi Christmas on Super Talk Mississippi, and I've been downloading Christmas music all day long, uh, and it's about to drive me crazy. <laughs> so if I hear Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or any of those, the you. What's the Hawaiian Christmas song they play on Christmas Vacation? That one's about to Meli drive Meli Kaliki Maka? Yes. It's in my brain now, and I can't get it out. Does that mean you would not go home and watch Christmas Vacation? No, I'm, not, no, I'm done. I'm going to go home and play video games. <laughs> I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, Rippy, we were talking about the uh, the Ole Miss defensive coordinator uh, spot a little while ago, and there is still unknown. If uh, if you're just joining us, uh, kind of the new information that we brought to you that, uh, that was reported some last night uh, that you and I have been able to independently confirm uh, throughout the course of the day-to-day, uh, despite being kind of planes, trains, and automobiles, um, there is uh, a verbal offer from Ole Miss to Pete Golding to become the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. The offer is for three years at $1.5 million per year. So that's significant money uh, for defensive coordinator. I have been told that there is not a written offer at this point, and my assumption is that at some point Pete Golding has to sit down and talk to his current boss about his options and what those are. Uh, as of last night, Pete Golding was recruiting. I think he was in New Orleans. Uh, I think uh, Neil McCready and um, Chase Parham at Rivals reported uh, that he was in New Orleans recruiting last night. Um, my guess is that he would be returning to Tuscaloosa today uh, as they've got a big recruiting weekend at home with people coming in for official visits this weekend. So that's kind of the Pete Golding side of the story. Ole Miss, it appears, is waiting on an answer from him affirmative or not but then the other piece of this is that mike mcintyre was in oxford uh, visiting with matt luke i don't know if you call it an interview or not but was visiting with matt luke uh, presumably about coaching on the defensive side of the ball uh, as well what do you make of all this um it's 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 kind of odd how all this has played out hasn't it i mean it's 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 been rather unique and it seems like some indecisiveness has kind of put all of this in a holding pattern. Um, you know, from from conversation I've had today, and I think you're kind of in a similar line of thinking, is that you expect this to be resolved by probably, I mean, it, it seems likely by tomorrow. Is is that kind of what you're thinking from what you're hearing as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's reasonable. Certainly by the end of the weekend, uh, I, I think you, you at least yeah, – now – on the Mike McIntyre front, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I feel like there will be an answer one way or another from Pete Golding, who is currently the co-defensive coordinator at Alabama working for Nick Saban. He's been there a year uh, by the time this weekend ends. Yeah, and to clarify from from what I've been told, there's no uh, any sort – like it's a verbal offer and no sort of agreement that that's that of any kind that's that's happened yet. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine this is resolved by by the end of this weekend, and and things will get a lot clearer. But it, it it the I guess the murkiness of it of it all is kind of interesting to me, particularly kind of when you're 
seemingly down, you know, it, it's narrowed down to to this much, if that makes sense, or th- these two guys is what it seems like. Yeah. Um, is there a is there another option beyond those two? Yeah, I, I do. I, th- I I I don't know by any stretch of the imagination who exactly that is, but I have been told that Matt Luke does have you know a backup plan beyond these two, and even and and, and a couple of candidates even beyond that. I think there definitely is a plan beyond that, but it it seems kind of this to be option A and option B at the moment. You know, I think kind of the the next maybe the next question that goes along with this is, you know, obviously Ole Miss is looking for a defensive coordinator, and the the next question becomes, well, well, what does this mean from a recruiting standpoint? You are now what twelve days away from the early signing period. It's Wednesday, December nineteenth, and there are lots of people that have gotten wrapped up in the idea. Well, if you get Pete Golding then that means there's going to be this avalanche of recruits. And if you get Mike McIntyre, then maybe it's not an avalanche, but but there are certain defensive players that you feel like you've got a, a better shot with. Do you think this hire will make a difference on the early signing day, which is now just 12 days away? Well, I think the answer to that is exactly what you just said. It depends on who it is, right? I mean, it's an interesting kind of dynamic because with, with – this all of this being out and open in the public, like if if you don't get Golding and you and and you get McIntyre, it, it seems like you went for option B, even though McIntyre is a very, very good option and a very good football coach. So, so the 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 optics of it all is kind of interesting too. Yes, I do think it will be different, but I don't think you'll know how different and and kind of what that wave of momentum in recruiting looks like until you know who it is. Well, and the other interesting part of Pete Golding is. You know, Alabama's had coordinators for each of the last few years that have had the opportunity to move on to either other head coaching jobs, I guess that's primarily been the case, or other coordinator jobs, whether it's Lane Kiffin moving on to uh, to FAU before the national championship game or Kirby Smart getting the Georgia job. But those guys, even though they were moving on to head coaching jobs, continued to coach at Alabama through the end of their season, which has been the national championship game or or a college football playoff semifinal. Let's say that Ole Miss were to get something done with Pete Golding. It's hard to believe that, well, it's hard to believe a couple of things. One, that Nick Saban would be willing to let him walk away three weeks before a college football playoff game when he has been the primarily primary defensive play caller since about the midway point of the season, since that, that game that they won against Arkansas. But at the same time, if you're Ole Miss and you're paying this guy a million and a half dollars, and you know National Signing Day is 12 days away from, from right now, you feel like you need him in place right away, don't you? For if you're Ole Miss, yeah, absolutely. And then obviously you kind of outline the Alabama side of it. I, mean, I, I don't know necessarily how that would work. I mean, you kind of saw a similar deal with, with Kiffin, right, where he tried – I mean, I know it's different because Kiffin took a head coaching job, but he tried to make it work and it just didn't end up working and they had Sark for the t- call plays for the title game instead. So – does, I mean, doesn't it seem more right. likely that you'd have a situation like that? I mean, it would seem, all, I mean, next to impossible to try to balance the two, particularly with this early signing period now. Yeah, and and as we said earlier, you've got uh, currently Pete Golding out actively recruiting. I mean, he's doing his job. His current job is 
uh, on the Alabama staff working for Nick Saban, and so he's out right now trying to get players to commit to Alabama. So it's, uh, it is an interesting dynamic. Uh, Ole Miss did get some good news today on the defensive front, and that is that Benito Jones, uh, going to be a senior defensive lineman, uh, put on his Twitter feed that uh, he would be back for his senior season. That's good news for uh, an Ole Miss team that is losing a bunch on the offensive side of the ball and was not great on the defensive side of the ball, but he's one of the better defensive players that you've got. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it was necessarily surprising, but certainly good news. And, you know, it, it, that'll be a veteran defensive line group next year that, that gets a lot younger after 2019. But certainly to have a guy of that caliber come back for another year cer- certainly helps things. And, um, yeah, I mean, de- definitely good news for Ole Miss. Hey, you want to text the show? You can do so. The text number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. And by the way, C Spire reminds you not to text and drive. Some of your thoughts coming in on that C Spire text line from Strider in Indianola. He says, I'd stay for potential for one more ring on my hand. Obviously talking about Pete Golding and an opportunity to win a national championship at Alabama. I guess the other question that goes along with this Pete Golding thing is what makes more sense from him, for him from a career standpoint? If you're a coordinator at Alabama, then odds are you're going to get an opportunity to be a head coach, and it's not going to take all that long. I mean, you, you can look at Kirby Smart. Uh, you can look at Jim McElwain. You can look at Lane Kiffin. There are other examples that are out there. What sense would it make for Pete Golding to take the Ole Miss job? Certainly there are family implications there. His wife is from Mississippi, went to Ole Miss. Uh, He played college football at Delta State. You know, is there a quality of life issue? I mean, is it easier to work for Matt Luke and be a husband and a dad than it is to work for Nick Saban? I suppose that's a reasonable question and uh, one that has to come into play. Uh, Got a whole lot more coming up uh, with you this afternoon. Mississippi State's women's basketball team had a big win, but boy, they had to work for it last night uh, at home. Great game. Great game with Marquette. And uh, we'll talk with Brian Haydad about that coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm Friday afternoon, just after 4 o'clock, a little bit closer to the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky is out. He is getting married tomorrow, and we're excited for it. Brian Scott Rippey in the studio there in Jackson. I'm in Oklahoma City. We'll be joined by Brian Haydad from Starkville coming up in uh, in just a little while, about half an hour from uh, right now. We'll get into Mississippi State's women's game last night. Big win for them as they were tested big time at home against Marquette, uh, but were able to pull out another win to stay undefeated on the season. Mississippi State basketball has a big game against Clemson tomorrow in New Jersey. 5 o'clock hour for the college football fix. We'll take a look at Army and Navy. That will be played tomorrow. And got a little on this date in history for you related to that game. 
We'll also uh, look again at the schedule of games coming up in the SEC this weekend. It's a big basketball weekend. And, uh, of course, the Heisman Trophy is going to be awarded tomorrow night. You, uh, you want to be part of the conversation? You can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Um, let's see here. Text message to the C Spire text line. Don't be biased, Richard. Freeze is a good fit at Liberty. I think we both said uh, that, right? Yeah, pretty sure that's what I said earlier. I agree that Hugh Freeze is a good fit at Liberty. Rippy used the, the phrase earlier, and I agree with him. I, in fact, I think I said earlier that I agree that he's all about second chances. And in the college athletics world that we live in, you knew without question that Hugh Freeze was going to get another opportunity. The question was when and where. So uh, you, you say you just tuned in. That's fine. So we talked about that a little bit to, uh, to start the show today. Uh, the, the point that I made earlier this week, and I stand by this, and I mean, not because it kind of came to fruition, I thought that the two best options for Hugh Freeze going forward were to either become a head coach if the opportunity presented itself at the group of five level. Now, technically, Liberty is not part of the group of five because they are an independent. They are not in a group of five conference. But it's the type job that I was talking about, a non-Power 5 job as a head coach, or to be an offensive coordinator at the uh, at the, the Power 5 level, just not outside the SEC. Or, excuse me, just not inside the SEC. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the uh, what, what all went into that decision. I think it's pretty clear that Hugh Freeze wanted to be a head coach again. And once you've been a head coach, and he's been a head coach at multiple places, right? I mean, it's not just that he was a head coach at Ole Miss. He was a head coach at Lambeth, became the head coach at Arkansas State. He worked as an assistant in between those at Ole Miss, and then has the opportunity at Ole Miss and was successful all along the way. I mean, he won everywhere he went. That's the reason that ultimately he got the job at Ole Miss, and that's the reason that he was always going to get another opportunity. If, if you deal with the stuff that Hugh Freeze dealt with that ultimately cost him to lose his job and you weren't winning games, then you're less likely to get another chance. But he's got a Sugar Bowl win on his resume. And he's got multiple wins against Nick Saban's Alabama team on his resume. And he led a program that got better and better and better each year up until the last season that he was at Ole Miss. That's the reason that he was always going to get another chance. And I think he probably took the right job. He's going to a place that um, is probably, my guess, not going to have an issue with uh, some of what he does on Twitter. You know, Hugh Freeze has always been very out front via social media with his faith and with devotional thoughts and Bible verses and things like that. That is off-putting to a lot of people. However... When you go to be the head coach at a school that has proclaimed itself as trying to be the evangelical equivalent of Notre Dame to the Catholic faith, then 
that's probably a place where what Hugh Freeze has very publicly um, professed through speaking engagements and through his social media feed, that that's going to play there. Does that make sense? Am I saying that right, Rippy? Yeah, I mean, I, I get exactly what you're saying. I mean, it, that kind of stuff wouldn't necessarily fly well at every job, and so he found one that presumably won't have an issue with it, and so good for him. I, I don't know what that means, though, beyond liberty. I mean, you assume he's probably going to move on there in a relatively short amount of time, and, and when I say that, I, I'm thinking you know, two to four years, something like that. So what? where does that go from there? I guess he can kind of cross that bridge when he comes to it. Yeah. Um, let's see. This message from the 662, so somewhere in North Mississippi, I think it's a good cover, a good place to uh, start over for Hugh Freeze, but you don't think he will be there for three seasons, which means he wouldn't necessarily be coaching Liberty when they come back to, uh, to Ole Miss in 2020, or when they come to Ole Miss for 2021. Uh, someone says, glad that you're finally giving him credit. It took a while. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you want from me on, credit on the for Hugh what? Freeze story. I, I've kind of shot straight with you on that. I, I've said he was a successful coach. I've said he was an offensive guy, a really good offensive coach. I've always said he was going to get another opportunity. But I've also been pretty open with you that um, – there were some things that happened that, well, I, I, I'm just going to leave those there. Um, so, good for, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm happy for Hugh Freeze, and more than that, I'm happy for his family. And this guy says that I'm butthurt from personal experience. Now, that's not that. But, yes, uh, my personal experience, some of my personal experiences, certainly um, – color the way I view him. But none of that matters. It's about being a good football coach, and he's a good football coach. And he's got an opportunity, and I'm happy for uh, for him and for his family. I'll leave it there. Um, so the whole coaching carousel thing, let's, uh, let's take that a step farther. Because it's not just about Liberty and Hugh Freeze. It's not just about the defensive coordinator. This is the time of year where you got a lot of stuff going on. And one of those things that was announced last night, Jeff Collins, who formerly was a defensive coordinator under Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, is now the head coach at Georgia Tech. He most recently was at Temple, and he's the one that followed Matt Rule and has done a good job there. So as far as job openings right now across college football, here's what you've got. You've got Akron who fired Terry Bowden. Appalachian State is still open. They got, um, well, Scott Satterfield left and took the job at uh, at Louisville. Scott Loeffler has been hired at Bowling Green. Jim McElwain has been hired at Central Michigan. Will Healy, who was at Austin P, got the Charlotte job. Mel Tucker, the defensive coordinator at Georgia, got the job at Colorado. Uh, Mike Houston, Gets the job at East Carolina, replacing Scotty Montgomery. Jeff Collins named at Georgia Tech. Les Miles, new head coach at Kansas. Kansas State is a job that's still open. Hugh Freeze is now at Liberty. Scott Satterfield now at Louisville. Mike Loxley, Alabama's offensive coordinator, named the head coach at Maryland. The one that's kind of crazy 
and we've talked about for a couple of weeks now, Mac Brown, now the head coach at North Carolina. Urban Meyer steps down after the Rose Bowl. Ryan Day, who was the interim coach earlier this year, is now the head coach at Ohio State, or, or will be, what, on January 2nd. Temple is open after Jeff Collins leaves. Jake Spavital is now the head coach at Texas State. Matt Wells, who was the head coach at Utah State and who was hired by John Hartwell. You remember that name? Used to be a, uh, a senior associate athletic director at Ole Miss, became the AD at Troy. He hired Neil Brown at Troy and then hired Matt Wells at Utah State. Matt Wells replaces Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Walt Bell goes to UMass. Utah State is still open. And Tyson Helton is the new coach at Western Kentucky. All right, so that's a long list. I get that. Of those names that we threw out, Rippy, Will, you can jump in if you want to as well. Do any of those, and this was a year where there weren't as many big jobs open. It was more a bunch of group of five jobs that came open. Do any of those hires, do you look at them and go, man, they really got it right? Not initially. I thought the Ohio State one was interesting, not even really testing the waters with anyone else. Yeah, they go Ryan Day. I think Gene Smith just felt really, really comfortable with Ryan Day, and it seems like Urban Meyer kind of handpicked him. It's almost like Urban Meyer agreed to walk away because they had Ryan Day in place. I'm really interested to see how Mac Brown works out at North Carolina. I think Matt Wells at Texas Tech, I think that was a good hire for Texas Tech. And you can't help but wait to see if at Kansas it's going to be great or it's going to be a disaster with the Mad Hatter, Les Miles. We'll continue to uh, look at some of these when we come back and get to some of your questions on the ceasefire text line. That's when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. coaching changes in the college football world. It happens every year about this time of year, although you haven't seen the seismic shift this year. I mean, Ohio State is one that could have caused a massive ripple effect, but when Ohio State says Urban Meyer stepping down after the Rose Bowl and Ryan Day is stepping immediately into that job, there is no ripple effect. Maybe on the coordinator front, but not like a, 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 a domino effect in the coaching world where it opens up one job and it opens up another job and you, you end up with three or four new head coaches as a result of a major program hiring somebody else. So you didn't get that. You really haven't gotten that anywhere this year. Will, we were talking just a second ago in the break and you think there is a job that kind of stands out as one that's maybe more interesting than the others based on a hire. Yeah, that's uh, Jeff Collins at going from Temple to Georgia Tech. You know, he was the defensive coordinator for Dan Mullen when he first got hired, uh, if I'm, I think I'm correct about that, and stayed there for a few years and then went back to Florida. Um, I, I, I think that guy gets it. Uh, he has a lot of fun. He's a defensive coach, so 
you know, didn't get all the publicity that a lot of these offensive guys, you know, with all these spread options, all that kind of stuff gets. But he does a lot of crazy, weird things. He tries to really relate to the kids in a way that uh, a lot of coaches just have a they have trouble kind of getting through to some of these kids. Like he does these crazy things where he takes the uh, takes the you know the the boards they hold up for the the plays and whatnot, and he does all these kind of crazy things that kids really get that they enjoy. They they find it fun. And he just kind of breaks through a little bit. And you saw success at Temple, uh, a, a team that uh, didn't get blown out by anybody. They were in every game they played, despite having kind of a tough schedule for a team like that. And they upset some people. I think they beat uh, a couple of ranked teams in there. Um, wasn't he the juice points guy when he was at Mississippi State? I think he was. Uh, you know, he... <laughs> He just does all these kind of crazy, weird things uh, that, you know, just well, always engaging the, the, the athletes. Yeah, and I would say this. On the heels of Paul Johnson and the long run that he had, but really if you want to rewind a little bit farther, I mean, Chan Gailey before that, Jeff Collins is going to bring an energy level to the Georgia Tech program that certainly hasn't been seen in this century and maybe hasn't been seen ever in that program. I, you know, I don't know what kind of a coach Bobby Dodd was, <laughs> historic Bobby Dodd Stadium, but I'm guessing he probably approached things a little bit differently than Jeff Collins is going to approach them. Here's the thing. Jeff Collins is a recruiter. He, to Will's point just a second ago, really engages with 17, 18-, 19-year-olds. Seems to be relatable. I, I think he's a guy that you would label as a player's coach. Yeah, you look at him on the sideline. He's he's the, you know, kind of thick, barrel-chested guy, and he's excitable on the sidelines. So the energy level goes up. I could not believe this when I saw it earlier today. I saw this note earlier today. In each of the last two or three seasons, Georgia Tech has gotten a grand total of one player that was in the top 50 in the state of Georgia. Wow. One out of 50. So think about that for a second. Why would that be the case? Well, there are a couple there there's several reasons. One, the type of offense they ran under Paul Johnson, the triple op- option offense. There're not a lot of top 50 kids that want to play in that offense. Number 2, it's a really difficult academic school. It's an engineering program and almost every undergraduate student that goes to school there takes 5 years to go through that program. There's some exceptions, but it's generally considered to be like a 5-year undergraduate degree at Georgia Tech, just because of how difficult and how rigorous the engineering track is at that school. So you've got those two things working against you. But you can't be in Atlanta, the second most recognizable school in the state of Georgia, and only get one out of the entire top 50. That's insane. you got to be better than that. And if you go from one to, I don't know, six out of the top 50, that could make a legitimate difference. Now, Georgia Tech fans are going to have to be patient because they're about to change the offense altogether, and that's not going to be an easy process. Rippy, do you do you like that Jeff Collins hire for Georgia Tech? Yeah, I think so. I think it's primarily for the reason you said it would be a different kind of energy and a different kind of recruiting strategy and how he engages with kids, but... Yeah, I think the transition is going to be pretty rough, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's not certainly uh, certainly fun. 
Let's see. This uh, this text says Jeff Collins is not a um, not afraid to wear skinny pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, sounds good. Dan in Charleston, Richard Heisman history question: Did Herschel Walker win the Heisman at Georgia? Yes. Right. Glad we could. You have me up. double checking now, but I'm almost positive that Herschel Walker. That would have been what 1981. Yeah, he won it in 82. Herschel Walker won it in 82. They won the national championship in 1980. And as a junior in 1982, Herschel Walker rushed for 1,962 yards. And and how about the company in the year before and the year after Herschel Walker? In 1981, Marcus Allen won the award. And in 1983, Mike Rogier won the award. Boy, that was kind of the age of the running back. So we talk about this being a quarterback award now. From 1973, when John Capoletti won it from Penn State, 74-75 back-to-back for Archie Griffin, 76 Tony Dorsett, 77 Earl Campbell, 78 Billy Sims, 79 Charles White from uh, Southern Cal, 1980 South Carolina's George Rogers, 81 Marcus Allen, 82 Herschel Walker, 83 Mike Rozier. Every single year, from 83 going back to 1973, 72 really, it was all running backs. That's crazy. Then you started to kind of shift into the era of the quarterback. Flutie won it in 84. You had Bo Jackson in 85. Then Vinny Testaverde in 86. What a list of players. When, when you start looking. When you go to the early 90s, though, and start coming forward, that's when you really start getting littered with quarterbacks. It's it's almost amazing when you look at it, Richard, at, at the quarterbacks. Just, you know, and the, you could see kind of these stages where they go through Andre Ware and Ty Detmer, and, we're, you know, we're going to do the air raid type thing. And then they go, well, you know, maybe we're going to the game managers, the Gino Torettas type guys. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So going back to 92, you go Gino Toretto in 92, Charlie Ward in 93, Danny Werfel in 96, Chris Winkie in 2000, Eric Crouch in 01, Carson Palmer in 02, Jason White at Oklahoma in 03, Matt Leinert in 04, Troy Smith at Ohio State in 06, Tebow in 07, Sam Bradford in 08, Cam Newton in 10, Robert Griffin III in 11, Johnny Manziel in 12, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, and then most recently Baker Mayfield. That's a heck of a run on quarterbacks in the last 20 years. Yeah. All right, I'll give you guys a vote right now. You have to place a ballot, and you got to go top three. What is your order? Who are your top three for the Heisman Trophy? Murray to... Uh... And then who cares? Who's the third? Who's I, I didn't even see the third invite. Who cares? <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, I Dwayne, mean, is the yeah. third finalist. There you go. Yeah, no I, Gardner Minshew love. Uh no. I mean, great year, but I mean, if you're asking me to rank it one through three, not not even close. Why do you go Kyler Murray over to a Tonga Bailoa or Tanga Bailoa? 
Maybe some of it's memory, like, uh, I mean, recency bias, but I don't know. I mean, if you took Kyler Murray off of Oklahoma, they probably win seven games. If you took Tua off of Alabama, they're probably exactly where they are. Okay. But it's not an MVP. I mean, it's not most valuable player. It's most outstanding player. Yeah. What about you, Will? I'm a little biased. I I would put Minshew above all because of the mustache alone and the fact that he's from Mississippi. Uh, But, no, I'd say Kyler Murray, uh, number one, uh, two, and number two, just because of the the games played. uh, The SEC championship certainly plays – you know, he didn't didn't play a big factor in that. Uh, And then kind of also finished on down. Okay. I – uh, unlike you guys, I actually watched the entire season. I didn't just watch the championship game where Tua Tonga-Veloa <laughs> got hurt on the second play of the game and didn't finish. Um, I, I remember what he's done all season long. Tua gets my first place vote. Kyler Murray was spectacular. Spectacular. But he also had some games where he was like, Meh. I guess I'd put him second. And Haskins was pretty remarkable as well. It's just me, though. I mean, I've got the southern bias, I suppose. Rippy, we will uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Maybe you can go back and watch some uh, Tua reruns from uh, over the weekend. Spend the whole weekend doing that. There you go. Hey, Dad joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line from Starkville at Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Yo, back again, wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour with you at Sports Talk Mississippi. Online at supertalk.fm, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Richard Cross, Will East in the studio, and I think, I think Brian Haydad has his tin can and string lined up just perfectly now. What's up, Haydad? Michael Borky, if you are out there, get to the studio. We need you badly. (laughs) (laughs) We had no idea. You don't know what you got till it's gone. (laughs) Oh, please stop. Please stop. (laughs) I was there the whole time, Richard. I was listening to everything you said. Yeah, well, I was thanks. I was yelling at my mic, Richard. Can you hear me? <laughs> Clearly, no. Uh, <laughs> not not so much. Not so much. Hey, uh, <sighs> welcome aboard, Hey Dad. So it's good to be here. We'll, we'll circle back to the uh, the men's game coming up here yeah. in a little while. Uh, really big opportunity for Mississippi State, and I think a really big opportunity weekend for the SEC. We talked some earlier with Jimmy Dykes about that. Yeah. I want to talk about last night. I actually uh, I caught some of the game on the radio last night. Yeah, uh, Jason Crowder does a good job. Enjoyed mm-hmm. listening to he and uh, Blair Schaefer on the uh, on the broadcast. Blair Schaefer was a good a win for up. Mississippi State, but doggone, they had to work their rear ends off to get it. That was a fantastic basketball game, and Marquette give their coaching staff a ton of credit. They had a fantastic strategy. Basically, their strategy was off of makes, off of misses. We don't care. We're getting up court before Tierra McCowan can get down there and block our shots. We don't have the height to go one-on-one with her. We are going to speed this game up as much as we can. 
and it almost worked. And it would have worked if State didn't have two of the top maybe five players in the country playing for them. And McCowan and Andrew Howard really saved Mississippi State. They combined for 53 points and 30 rebounds. They had more rebounds themselves than Marquette had as a team. Uh, so they, they really got the job done for Mississippi State uh, in a game that it felt like, you know, I've covered those the last uh, two NCAA tournament regionals there in Starkville, and it felt yeah. like that. It felt like that kind of atmosphere. And that's a bigger test than Mississippi State's faced in those NCAA tournament games uh, before. That, that Marquette team, they will do some damage. They will be somebody to watch in March. And, and what, about 8,000, give or take, in attendance last night? Yeah. Good crowd. Good crowd. I mean, it always is. It just always is for the women. You know, that, that product sells itself at this point. Um, you know, they're just great atmosphere, you know. And, and, they, and a part of that, you know, you, I think I heard you mention it a second ago, you know, the home court advantage is sort of what got state, state going at times. You know, State fell behind by seven in the first half. I think they were down by as many as eight in the second half. Uh, but the crowd kept a minute, kept a minute. And, of course, when State would grab a lead, the, the explosion of joy was, you know, what you expect from Humphrey Coliseum. So, yeah, great crowd, great atmosphere. Like I said, it really did feel a lot like March uh, at the hump last night. And, and you'll have to forgive me. I, I honestly had to go back and do a double check because I was thinking, hang on, I don't remember Anriel Howard being a part of Mississippi State's runs to the Final Four of the championship game the last couple of years. I forgot she was the player that's the grad transfer from Texas A&M. And so, you know, you yeah. look at recruiting, Vic Schaefer's done a really good job bringing in highly sought-after players out of high school that are freshmen. Mm-hmm. But he's also got Anriel Howard, who's a big-time grad transfer from A&M, and mm-hmm. you got um, Promise Taylor, who mm-hmm. is a transfer from Ole Miss. She's from Washington, yeah, like Washington now. State. Came yeah. to Mississippi to play for Ole Miss. You had the coaching change, and then she transfers, but sitting out this year. Yeah, and she'll be eligible uh, next season. She'll take Tierra McCowan's spot, basically. Uh, and and you know, the, what you hear out of practice is that. This is the first time that McCallan's had somebody physically that can match up with her, so it's, it's doing her a lot of good in practice. And if that's the case, you're seeing it on the court because she's playing at a much higher level. You know, she had 24 and 18 last night. Um, she's averaging, I think, 19 and 13 for the season or something close to that. Yeah. So, I mean, she's just playing at a really high level. And Howard, you know, State was going to be good regardless this season, but adding Andrew Howard is sort of like, you know, when the Warriors got Kevin Durant. Not that she's the best player in, in women's college basketball, but she's one of them. And she took an already good to great team and made them an elite team. And that's what this team is playing like right now. They're, they're going to move up in the polls this week. They'll probably be in the top five. This is their uh, second straight week of beating a ranked opponent. And then next week they have the big game with Oregon, who's ranked third currently. Um, and if they win that game, and that's a game, you know, you go back a year ago, that game was played at the hump, and uh, that was a game where McCowan just feasted on Oregon. She had 35 and 19 in that game. And if they haven't found a way to contend with her, State's going to win that game again, and then it's just going to be a question of who in the SEC can stand up to them. Yeah. Anriel Howard, 13 of 18 shooting last night, 72%, 29 points, and was it 12 rebounds, or was it more than that? She had 12, 29 and 12. And then Tierra yeah, McCowan right. goes 9 of 12 from the field, 75%. Yeah. She had 24 points. Big night on the boards. And yeah. a lot of that came in the second half because Mississippi State was kind of have, having trouble feeding the ball to her early in the game. They were double and tripling her. And it sounded like they just made an yeah. adjustment at halftime, said throw it high, get it to her, let her make plays. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. And, and you mentioned the shooting. How key was that, especially from the free throw line? State was 17 of 20. I mean, that's the difference in the game. 
College football fix is coming your way next. Army-Navy tomorrow. How about some little historical nuggets about that game that will be in Philadelphia? I'm sure it will be snowing in four degrees when they kick it off or something like that. Feels like that's what it's like every year. Weekend starts when we come back for the 5 o'clock hour in the Renaissance Bank studio at Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That don't kill me can only make me stronger. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm just after 5 o'clock on a Friday. Welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Will East with you on this Friday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. They've been financing land at Mississippi Land Bank for 100 years. They've kind of got it figured out, and they're fantastic people. So if you've got land financing needs and you're in North Mississippi, Check out the website, mslandbank.com. You can see all about what they do because it's not just financing for farmers. It's financing for houses. Maybe you're going to build a house in the country. Maybe you're going to build a dream home on that perfect piece of property. Maybe it's hunting land. Maybe it's agriculture loans. Maybe it's equipment needs for farmers. So many things that they do at Mississippi Land Bank and as good of people as you will find anywhere to deal with. mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You really should check out newsms.fm. If you will click on the news tab and then scroll down, you will see a black and white photo of a Navy veteran. 77 years ago today, December 7th, 1941, you had the attack on Pearl Harbor. Darrell Wade of Calhoun City was a Navy uh, Navy aviation machinist who was stationed on the USS Oklahoma. That ship was hit by multiple torpedoes and quickly capsized, and Wade was among the 429 deaths on the USS Oklahoma and one of the 2,403 total deaths that resulted from the attack on Pearl Harbor. Navy personnel for three years, from December of 1941 until June of 1944, recovered the remains of the deceased crew, but largely they were unidentifiable. By September of 1947, only 35 remains had been identified from the USS Oklahoma, and the unidentified remains, including Navyman uh, Darrell Wade, were laid to rest in 46 plots at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, known as the Punch Bowl, in Honolulu. In April of 2015, the Deputy Secretary of Defense issued a policy directing the disinterment internment of unknowns associated with the USS Oklahoma. They then began a process of mitochondrial and DNA analysis, dental and anthropolo- anthropological sorry, analysis, as well as circumstantial evidence and Darrell Wade's remains were identified, and they were returned to his family, and today he is being buried 
in a cemetery in Kilmichael, Mississippi, the Mississippi Veterans Memorial Cemetery, with full military honors. What a great story that was written by Stephen Gagliano from News Mississippi. You can check that out online, again, at newsms.fm. All right, hey, Dad. Slightly less serious note, let's jump in for a little college football fix. The college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. They've got the year-end sales event going on right now, which means some of the best deals of the entire year on Ford cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs. You can start your search online at buyfordnow.com. But what you really want to do is go down to your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive the vehicle of your choice today. All right, so... So, Brian, on the the spectrum of college football games from mm-hmm. opening weekend through the national championship game, where do you slot Army-Navy? Well, you know, it's one of those games you know you're getting every year. It's one of those rivalry games. And I always enjoy watching it, to be honest with you, especially because I love the offenses these two teams run. I love that three-yard-and-a-cloud-of-dust option, smash-mouth football these two teams play. Uh, so I, I really get a kick out of watching this game. Uh, I love all the history. I love the tradition. I love seeing the the cores come in there and you know the midshipmen and and I just, I just get a kick out of it. So it's 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 up there for me. It's it's definitely appointment viewing for me on a Saturday. You got an interest in going to that game at some point? I would love to go one time. I'm that, that's definitely a bucket list kind of thing. Yeah. Would you want to go when it's in Philadelphia or one of the years where they alternate and play it somewhere else? I don't think it would make much of a difference to me. I'd, the, the game itself would be the attraction. I mean, I'd like to go to Philadelphia, don't get me wrong, but you know, Baltimore or New York or wherever they're playing it, it, it wouldn't bother me. The game is the attraction for me. Hasn't there been some discussion about possibly moving it to some other places in the future? Like maybe getting uh, it off of the East Coast? See, now now you that game needs to be played in bitter, cold, snowy weather. Don't, don't tell me you're bringing that to the West Coast or anywhere like that. That doesn't work for me. Do you know where that it was played in That game needs to be played in bad weather. Do what now? Do you know where it was played in 1983? 1983. I do not know. No. Where was it played? In the Rose Bowl. Only site west of the Mississippi River to host the Army-Navy game, the Rose Bowl in 1983. I'm not down with that. No. I want that game played in snowy conditions. The city of Pasadena, California, paid for the travel expenses of all the students and supporters of both academies – 9,437 in all. Not bad. Not bad at all. It's been played more times than any other at JFK Stadium. Hmm. Franklin Field has had it 18 times. Veterans Stadium, 17. This will be the 12th time that it's been played at the link in Hmm. Philadelphia. Nine times at the Polo Grounds. They played it four times at Giants Stadium. Twice at Yankee Stadium. Once at Soldier Field, one time they played it right outside of D.C. and uh, at FedEx Field as well. But 87 of the games in the history of the series have uh, have been played in Philadelphia. So that's the traditional site for it. Yeah. I, I, Sweet I would love to uniforms go. this year, too. Have you been? No. No. I had every intention of going about five years ago. Uh, my wife has a cousin from Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. who um, went to West Point, and I was planning on going his senior year. So the, the last year that he was at the academy, I wanted to go, and it just didn't work out from a timing standpoint. We need you to know, get a Mississippi kid on one of those rosters, and we can – oh, we got to go. we got to cover that. Sports Talk Mississippi. 
you know, a, a couple of years ago, you had that. There was um, there was a a young man from Oxford, uh, Connery mm-hmm. Marr, who was a wide receiver, backup wide receiver for the uh, Naval Academy. They never throw it, so he didn't didn't get a whole lot yeah. of action. <laughs> when I was in high school, a uh, kid who played over at St. Andrews uh, was at the Ar- was at Army. Okay, this is really interesting. I, I got a, a text from a buddy of mine that says they actually have sent out an RFP to host Army-Navy, and the biggest issue is having to transport the cadets from both academies to the game. Yeah. Jacksonville tried to get it, but the travel time and uh, on trains for the cadets was a time and a money issue. So that's, uh, that's really Just interesting. Just leave it where it is. Just leave it up north. It's just, it, 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 that's where it needs to be. All right, so you had the string of games from 2002 to 2015 where Navy won every single year. Yeah. And, and hey, Dad, some of them were blowouts. 58 yeah, yeah. to 12. Um, I mean, that's when you had you know, Paul Johnson at Navy. And, yeah, I mean, they, 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 were the, they were the superior team, no, no question. It, it was Paul Johnson, and then it rolled right into the Ken Niamatololo era. And then I was going to let you last, say that. Yeah. <laughs> but the last two years, the tide has turned a little bit. Army's yeah. won the last two, 21 to 17 two years ago, and then 14 13 last year. Mm-hmm. Army make it three in a row? They're better than Navy this year. Uh, yeah, they, they, they'll make it three in a row this year. Jeff Monken, the coach up there, that's a guy who he's going to be the next Paul Johnson in terms of somebody who decides, look, we need to go a different way with our offense. We can't just line up and out athlete people. We got to. We got to change what we do a little bit. Somebody's going to hire him. He'll be, he won't be at Army much longer, I would imagine. He'll be, you know, making that trip to the Sun Belt or Conference USA, and then from there, uh, we'll see if he can ever land a Power Five job. You know, not not a sexy offense at all, unless you're like me and I love it. But uh, it's effective. I mean, look how they look what they did to Oklahoma. You know, they took them right to the, the wire because they controlled the clock. They ran the football and they say shortened the game and had a great chance to pull one of the greatest upsets of all time. It would have been fantastic. It was in Norman. Didn't it go to overtime? It did. Um, it did. We, I, I was in the press box. I think that was week, week three. Oh, the game wasn't on TV. Yeah, yeah to, remember like, some guy was periscoping it. Vision to watch it or something. <laughs> some guy periscoped it, and he had like 800,000 people watching his Twitter feed. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. Now, I, I'm with you. Watching, watching the game's great, and it's especially great like last year. Uh, Jane and I were with some friends. We were in New York, and it was kind of late in the day, so before we were going to dinner that night, we were back in the hotel, and it's snowing. It's snowing outside of New York. We're watching Army-Navy. It's snowing there, an incredible finish in that game, and it just feels like that's what it's supposed to look like. But to me, like you said a second ago, the real, like, uh, all-the-feels moment is before it ever starts. When you see the entire Corps of Cadets marching in yeah. in those those dark gray capes that they have on, yeah. and seeing the midshipmen march in in their their black overcoats, oh, what a great scene! Absolutely. And how about playing it this year, the day after the 77th anniversary of the attacks on Pearl Harbor? Last time it was played on Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th, 2002. Navy won it 58 to 12. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Okay. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. 
Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, Will, you were combing through the rosters of Army and Navy and you came up with a Mississippian that could potentially be in the game this year? That's right. Jay Warren from Long Beach. He's a freshman defensive lineman, six foot one, two fifty-seven, two thousand seventeen graduate of Long Beach High School. Is it too late to get credentials? <laughs> we could maybe get to, yeah, it's probably too late for that. I don't know that we could get you there either. You'd have to pass a background check, too, because Trump's going to uh, do the coin toss. Is he inviting I Rex mean, Tillerson along to uh, <laughs> to be by his side? <laughs> uh, did, did anybody tell the president that he hired that guy? <laughs> anyway, sorry, didn't mean to devolve into that. I just, uh, Will I and I were talking two earlier. Years from now where it's, you know, the, whoever the new MSU guy on the show is. Brian Haydad was lazy and terrible. Richard Cross <laughs> is just tweeting about me. Yeah, uh, something along. Where are you going in two years? Uh, that's when I figure you'll run me off at that point, you know. You'll have had enough of me. All my junk. There, there's a shelf life for dealing with me, and you'll just say that's enough? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's the other way around, but oh well. Yeah, maybe not. Um, all right, so basketball this weekend. Yeah. Tomorrow's a big deal for Mississippi State. Am yes. I overstating that? Do you think? No. No, no, I don't think so at all. I think, okay, you know, we said we said uh, going into that Dayton game last week. You know, you, you had these three big games: you had Dayton, Cincinnati, and Clemson, or, or not in that order, obviously. Clemson tomorrow, and that at worst, State needed to be at come out of this two and one. I thought um, they got the first win; they won at Dayton. Uh, now they have this game with Clemson, and when you when you look at Clemson, it looks like their leading scorer, Marquise Reed, is banged up. You know questionable was the the official term if you wanted to use the old NFL uh, terminology for it for this game he's a leading scorer he averages 19 points a game so I mean at best he's going to be you know not a hundred percent because it was an ankle injury sprained ankle of some sort and you know that those are the the kind of injuries that linger and linger and you can never really shake while you're still active in the season so if he's not playing or if he's limited that that's a big boost for Mississippi State and uh, that puts them in a position where they should they should be favored to win the game, and they should win the game. And if that's the case, then you've got a lot of momentum going into that game with Cincinnati uh, uh, next Saturday on the on the 15th. Yeah, I think this is a – you're not overstating it. This is a big game for Mississippi State. ESPN's Basketball Power Index has it close, close, close. They give Mississippi State a 51.3% chance – to win the ball game, that's about as close to 50-50 as you're going to get on one of those yeah. kind of game predictors. Clemson is six and two on the year. By the way, if you want to bet on basketball, they're one and seven against the spread. Just saying. Um, Mississippi State seven one. The only loss will take care of that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Got to get back there soon. Yes. Uh, Mississippi State's only loss is to Arizona State seventy two sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Clemson's Newly two losses Arizona came State in back to back. Do what now? Newly ranked Arizona State. They carried twentieth in the polls as of uh, the latest ones last Monday. Yeah. Um, Clemson's two losses were back to back on November twenty first and twenty sixth. They lost by five to Creighton, and they lost by mm-hmm. two to Nebraska. Yeah. 
pretty Nebraska ranked twenty fourth and twenty fifth in both polls. Creighton, I don't think Creighton is ranked. No, Creighton's receiving votes in both polls. Yeah, Creighton is six and two, which is tied for the best record right now in the Big East. So, a little bit of a rundown of uh, of that game. It's at uh, three o'clock tomorrow afternoon on ESPN two. So if uh, if you want to watch that one, uh, I think that's that's certainly one that will have some eyeballs on it all across the country, as people kind of begin to learn a little more about Mississippi State. And to me, Brian, this is one of those where where I'm interested to watch, and and I feel like it, we keep going back to it, and and maybe we're undervaluing or underselling Quindary Weatherspoon and Nick Weatherspoon and Tyson Carter and Abdul Adu, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you and I both have talked about how impressed we've been with how how these two freshmen look in, yeah. in Perry and Woodard. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit different stage. You know, you're going yes. to you know suburban New York, going to play in New Jersey at the Prudential Center. It's a nationally televised game on a Saturday afternoon. You're almost to the Christmas break. Yeah, i got a couple of exams left. You're, you're not in the friendly confines, and it's not a traditional road game. It's a big stage for those guys. Yeah, and if you look at the the road game against Dayton, you know they didn't have their best game. They only played a combined twenty three minutes. Perry had seven points. Uh, Woodard didn't score. Didn't he only took one shot. Uh, you know, State was able to sort of grind that win out without getting some big big performances in that one. You know, the Weatherspoon brothers carried them. They had thirty seven points in that game and and fifteen rebounds. So yeah, if, if the freshmen can step up and, and deliver anything in this game, obviously that's going to be very huge for Mississippi State. But you know, State throughout the line of and I talked about this with Joel Coleman on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. We said there's six, seven guys on this roster that if I said, yeah, they had a big game and that's the reason State won, you would believe it. I mean, if I told you that Eric Coleman had a big game or if Tyson Carter had a big game, you'd believe that. Right? You'd say, okay, yeah, I can see him going off for 20, 25 points. So, you know, it's just going to be a question of who steps up for Mississippi State tomorrow. They've had different heroes uh, throughout the season. Obviously, when you're, you're traveling, you know, it's not a true road game, but you're, you're obviously not in Startville. You look to your seniors, so you look to Quindary Weatherspoon and you look to Eric Holman. Maybe Lamar Peters is a junior who had his best game of his career last Tuesday. Can he keep that momentum going? He's such a streaky player. You know, if he stays hot for a couple of games, that's that's going to be big for Mississippi State. So, you know, I don't know who to pick, as I guess was what I was saying, if you told me to pick a player of the game type thing. But I know that State's got a lot of options there, and that's why they're, you know, they're having the kind of season they're projected to have and they're having so far. Now, you told me you're not like a college basketball junkie, are you? Not a junkie for it, no. So, so you're not staying up until eleven o'clock tonight to watch a top twenty matchup with Arizona State and Nevada. You know, if it's on, I'll watch it. If I'm up that time, sure. Ten fifty nine tip off on ESPN two. Number six Nevada is undefeated, and number twenty Arizona State is undefeated. Who I've seen, you know, saw them yeah. against Mississippi State, obviously. Well, Pretty and I asked that because earlier this week you, you had a pretty interesting game. Number one, Gonzaga hosting yeah. Washington. It was a great game that didn't tip off until 10 o'clock, and I found myself like glued to the TV to it. Yeah. Not so that's your thing. I'm that way for college football. Like it, if, if I have the, the Saturday off the, you know, this past season when the one bye week Mississippi State had, I, you know, I, I got up and you know, I start watching you know, if I watch the 11 a.m. kick, and I'll watch it all the way through Pac-12 after dark is done, and I might stay up and watch Hawaii if I feel like it. But you know, that's that's I'll do a good 13 hours of of college football, college basketball. And I used to be really into college basketball, but 
you know, covering it now, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's just difficult to watch sometimes because of the officiating. The, the officiating's bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. When you're getting 40-plus foul calls, you know, in a 40-minute game, that's, that doesn't work for me. You know, I just I, – I, I, it makes it difficult to get into it sometimes. But maybe part of that is Mississippi State hasn't been good at college basketball in the past few years, and it sort of lessened my enjoyment of it. Uh, but but yeah. now it's stayed in it. Obviously, I feel like I need to keep up a little bit more because I might be seeing some of these teams, you know, come March. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Brian and Clarksdale, when are you guys going to do your bowl picks so I can do mine? Uh, now, my, I'm curious, is Brian asking, when are you guys going to make your picks so I can see who you pick and go the other way? Or are you relying on us for expertise? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if I, Here, if here's I had what to I'll guess, it would be fading us. Yeah, that's probably uh, probably accurate. I don't know, Brian, that we're going to necessarily sit down and pick all of the bowl games at one time, but I will mm-hmm. tell you this. We're going to do an in-depth preview of every single bowl game, which means next week we'll probably, oh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, certainly Thursday, Friday, have a, have a bunch of previews because I think you've got five games next Saturday. And then they're kind of spread out a little bit, so you get one a day the, the following week. Hey, Dad, you would have liked this. When I, was, um, when I was in college, had a bunch of buddies that were all from Oxford, and mm-hmm. we had so, – so you know the week that I'm talking about. You, you get that first flurry of games, and then you go through the week where there's a game on Monday, a game on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you roll yeah. back to Saturday where there are a bunch of games. Yeah. We deemed that meet week. And there were about, yeah, meet week. There were about half a dozen of us, and we had a different meet every night and all got together Mm -hmm. and watched the bowl game. So one night we did chili. One night we did burgers. You know, one night we did, you know, pulled pork or something like that. So it was something different every night. Yeah. And then we wrapped it up on Friday night. I don't think there was a game on Friday night because we skipped that and we had the meat bowl. Which was a bunch of meatball. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. It was a bunch of. So we invited more people out for the meatball because we had a big flag football game. Oh, there you go. It was a blast. I'd love. I, I, if not for the fact that I would like tear up a knee or pull a hamstring or something like that, I'd love to go back and do that one more time. I'd like to eat some oh. meat. We, I, I'll, I'll do that part with you. Yeah. I'll now eat chili be and like burgers the all-time and center. You can snap it. Man, I'm all about that, yeah. Meat week. So if you got some buddies and you're trying to figure out what to do to uh, make the bowl games interesting, then schedule it out. Week. Have meat week for the non-interesting bowl games. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. 
A while longer with you on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East, who refuses to play Christmas music. My humbug said Scrooge East. <laughs> Scrooge not, McDuck. Not going to happen. Buttons today. Um, hey, Dad, did you watch the, uh, the college football awards show last night? No, I was at the, uh, the, the women's game. Oh, that's right. You were. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, I, I was able to keep up with it a little bit on Twitter, though. Sure. So what do we do with this? In each of the last five years, the AP College Football Player of the Year has gone on to win the Heisman Trophy. Yes. Do you know who the AP College Football Player of the Year is this year? It was Kyler Murray, right? That's right. Yeah. In each of the last four years, the winner of the Walter Camp Award has gone on to win the Heisman Trophy. Do you know who the winner of the Walter Camp Award was? Last night? Was it Tua? That was Tua Tangavaloa. Yeah. So which trend holds up? Uh, I think it's going to be the AP Player of the Year. I think Kyler Murray is going to win this award. I think there's going to be a good bit of recency bias, um, but I think he's the one who's going to win it. Okay, so I asked Rippy and, uh, and Will earlier, I am giving you a Heisman vote right now. Give me your top three. What, who are your top three? So if I handed you a ballot... Mm. and said, hey, hey, Dad, your ballot is going to break the tie tomorrow night. Give mm. me your top three. Tua's going to win. I would I would vote for Tua uh, first. Kyler Murray would be second. You know, third, Dwayne Haskins to me, I mean, he's so uninspired, right? He's just uh, – his stats are good, but at no point – I mean, there's, he's They're not really the third good. best – Yeah, but he's not the third best player in college football. The problem is there's no running back with just ridiculous stats this year. There's no 2,000-yard rush. Although Jonathan Taylor's going to get there, but you know he's not yeah. particularly dominant this year. His team wasn't any good. There's not a wide receiver with crazy stats. There's not a defensive player with crazy stats. I mean, who was the best defensive player in the country this year? I, I would probably say somebody like Grant Delpit maybe, but you know nothing really there. There's nobody who made like that, like Charles Woodson did with defense and special teams and play a little bit on offense. There just wasn't anything like that. So, you know, Haskins is a really uninspired third. I, I might go Minshew over Haskins, to be totally honest with you. Well, I, as I said to the other two schmucks who are on with us today, Rippy and uh, and and Will East. Yes. Sir. Um, too bad they didn't watch any college football prior to the championship Saturday, <laughs> when you know. There was a good game by Kyler Murray, and Tua Tangavaloa got hurt on the second play of the game. Because mm-hmm. they both said, oh, no, it's Kyler Murray. I, I, no, yeah. they didn't. that wasn't a win prediction. They said they would vote for Kyler Murray. So. Uh, well, I, I, I would not. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Had a great season. Uh, I'm sad that he's going to Major League Baseball over the NFL. But Tua... Yeah, I would much rather see him in the NFL. I think he'd be a very interesting player, you know, because he. I sort of root for those, you know. He, yeah, sort of got that Drew Brees size thing going for him. He's not very big, so what? What You're can right. he do? So you know, I, I think he'd be an exciting player. I'd like to at least see what happens. But uh, to me, the and you mentioned it in the segment. Uh, I was listening in, even though I couldn't talk. Uh, you mentioned the, the the play differential, the the, the snaps this season. It's a, it's two hundred and ten more snaps for Kyler Murray. Now, part of that is that his defense gave up a lot of points and his offense got back on the field, you know, a had lot. to get back on the field a lot, yeah. And, and, you know, 
Alabama shortened a lot of games because their defense just just ruined people. And you know, Tua didn't play in, didn't play in the fourth quarter of any game. I mean, or, or he threw eight passes in the fourth quarter this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like we're judging Tua on playing like a nine game season. You know, we're, if, if we wh- extrapolate his stats over playing a full twelve games and tell me what it is or a full thirteen games, I guess at this point. Uh, yeah. for, so for me, I mean. Alabama has always been good offensively. They always have been. They've been balanced. They've had years they could run the ball, years they can pass the ball, whatever. But they've never been this good, and he's the reason why. That's why I'm giving him my vote. And, and if you discount him based on his performance in the SEC championship game, I, I just to me that is an unfair way to look at it mm-hmm. because of the fact he that got he got hurt. hurt. Yeah, if he, if he just played poorly, and frankly, okay, then he got something. You know, frankly, but, he was pretty banged up for the second half of the year and still put yeah. up big numbers. Yeah. But, like I said, if, if he had been, if he just played poorly, thrown a couple of picks, and, you know, he's just not any good today, then you got something to talk to me about. But he's hurt. And what can he do? And you, and you, said, you said it best in that segment, too. It's most outstanding player. It's not most valuable player. Kyler Murray is clearly more valuable to Oklahoma than Tua is to mm-hmm. Alabama. Because Jalen Hurts would have this team in the exact same spot. They would be undefeated. They would be heading to the national championship or to the playoff. And without Kyler Murray, I don't know. I don't even know who Ole, or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma's uh, backup is. Um, but I, I can tell you that he's not as good as Kyler Murray. So I saw an interesting thing. I forget who who tweeted it, but I hadn't thought about this. If Kyler Murray does win, it'll be the the first time ever a team has had back to back Heisman winners that weren't the same person. And of course, there's only been two back to back. You know, one back to back winner, and that's Archie Griffin. But think about uh, Oklahoma will have back-to-back quarterbacks win, but they're different players. That is a pretty impressive stat. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Let me talk about it. That's why Lincoln Riley will, will probably be coaching in the NFL at some point very soon. If, if he is so inclined. Tua yes. won two Player of the Year awards last night. He was awarded the Maxwell Trophy and the Walter Camp Award. Yeah. Coach of the Year went to Brian Kelly. Yeah. Best defensive back, the Jim Thorpe Award. DeAndre Baker from Georgia. You on board with that? I would have I would have thought Greedy Williams would have won that, to be honest with you. Okay. Or Delpit. I would have thought I'd been one of those two LSU guys. But um But DeAndre Baker's good. He's a good player. Davey O'Brien goes to uh Kyler Murray, best quarterback. Yeah. I, I'm uh, not, I'm not Lou Groza. Eh, skip over some of these. Butkus Award. Who won best the Lou Groza? No, Devin for real. White. Who won that? Who won the Lou Groza? Andre Zimmet from uh Syracuse. See, I'm going Cole Tracy on that one. Yeah. Who hit more pressure kicks this year than that guy? The walk off against uh, against Auburn. Yeah, I mean he he he's, he he had five, what five field goals against Mississippi State. He's yeah. the reason they won the game. Kind of missed a big one against A and M. He did, he did, but that game. That I'm, game. I'm, I'm, I'm writing everything off of that game. Nothing nothing counted. Uh, Dope Walker, best running back, goes to Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. That should have been Daryl Henderson, Mississippi's own. At the University of Memphis. Yeah. Bolitnikoff for the best wide receiver. Jerry Judy at Alabama. I'm not going to argue with that. Great player. Uh, Mackey Award for tight end goes to the Iowa tight end. TJ Hawkinson, Outland Trophy, best interior lineman, Quinnen Williams, Alabama. Surprised Simmons didn't get a finalist for that one. Say what? Simmons? Simmons, I thought he should be a finalist for that one. What also I found interesting is that Iowa, I found out Iowa has a tight end that's sitting out the bowl game because he's going to the NFL draft. But their other tight end won the Mackey Award. 
So maybe cover the tight end if you're Bob Shoop in that game. Ray Guy Award Best Punter goes to Braden Mann from Texas A&M. He was sure. real good. Yeah. Defensive Player of the Year, the Bednarik Award, Josh Allen, Kentucky. Defensive okay. Player of the Year, because we need another one, the Nagurski Trophy, Josh Allen, Kentucky. I can live with that. Good player. Had a huge game against Mississippi State in the one game that I, I was there to live to see him. The uh, the Campbell Trophy for the Academic Heisman, that's Christian Wilkins, a defensive lineman at Clemson. The Werfel Trophy for Community Service goes to do, Drew Tranquil, the linebacker from uh, Notre Dame that's banged up this year. Yeah. Uh, and then Mike Lotsley got the uh, Broyles Award. And then the story that has captured the hearts of the college football world this year, uh, they call it the Disney Spirit Award, mm-hmm. which is the uh, the most inspirational. Tyler Trent, the young man from, uh, from Purdue, who yeah. is living in hospice. Yeah. So I don't know. If, you remember after the Purdue game, he, he did all the interviews, and Scott Van Pelt had him on. Yeah. And they talked very candidly uh, uh, because Trent uh, Tyler Trent has talked very openly and candidly about the fact that his days are numbered. Right. He he he's in hospice care. You you are placed in hospice when you are going to die in a relatively short amount of time and you are given the most comfort that you can be given. And so they talked openly about that fact, but SVP said, "Hey, look man, I know you're going to be around with us for a little bit longer. You got Purdue in Maryland. Maryland's my alma mater." Coming up in uh, in Big Ten hoops early in the season, you uh, you want to place a little bit of a bet on it? And Trent goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm up for it." And and they kind of talk back and forth. What are we going to wager? He said, "Well, you know, you had that big P shaved into the side of your head." Talking to Tyler Trent for the football mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. he said, "What if we do a little uh, head shave deal where you come back on set with me, you come back and do another Sports Center." And uh, the winner's got to shave the other team's logo into the side of their head. Oh, nice. Well, doggone if Purdue didn't beat Maryland last night. And tonight on SportsCenter, the late-night SportsCenter with SVP, he's got to come on with a big Purdue P painted onto the side of his ball Now that I'm going to watch. You asked me when the last time I watched SportsCenter was recently. I'm watching that one. How good is that? That's fantastic. Tyler Trent. God love him. And boy, they've they've really laid, raised a lot of money for cancer research in his name for a little bit different subset. You hear about pediatric cancer research, you hear about the American Cancer Society, talking about adolescent cancer. We'll wrap things up with you next in the Renaissance Mix Studio. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk, Mississippi. On Super Talk, Mississippi. That's how you know we're wrapping up the work week. A little Axle F. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Streaming with you at supertalk.fm. Um, Hugh Freeze appeared on the Paul Feinbaum show. Tell me what you uh, tell me what you do with this quote. Hey, Dad. Okay. He's named head coach at Liberty today. Yeah. I think it was wise for my family to move away from the from the conference, the SEC, and hopefully one day to have the opportunity to come back. He's he's already looking for his next job. 
That was the response. Somebody said, I've never heard a coach speculating about his next job on the first day of his current job. Hugh Freeze, ladies and gentlemen. Every time you think he can't go any lower, he just grabs a shovel. Well, maybe it's just not a secret. I mean, maybe maybe he says to Jerry Falwell, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to come be your head coach, and we're going to win seven or eight games next year. We're going to go to a bowl. We're going to win eight or nine the next year, and then we're going to win ten, and then I'm going to coach in the SEC again. Well, maybe Jerry Falwell says, well, that's what you're going to do. You still would think that maybe a little bit. Have a little tact, why don't you? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to stop. Easy. Easy. Just going to stop right there. Easy. It's um, 601-879-4395. That's the number for you on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Hey, how about this text? This yeah. comes from Cal in Louisville. We meant, yeah. You mentioned Daryl Henderson a second ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said Daryl Henderson... And Tony Pollard, for the record, who's a wide receiver at Memphis mm-hmm. from Melrose High School, should not have escaped Ole Miss or Mississippi State's football rosters. Great personalities, and he says they're both ballers. I can't disagree. I mean, especially with Henderson. I'll give State a little, you know, it's a little bit of a room to wiggle there because, you know, Aris Williams was on the roster, and they knew they were going to get Kylan Hill eventually. So that's fine. But for Ole Miss, who's, you know, prior to this year with Scotty Phillips emerging, has been sort of lost in the desert trying to find a running back. How did and he, he was at South Panola, the Ole Miss Farm Club? How did he get away from Oxford? The Ole Miss Farm Club. I mean, are you going to argue with me that 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 the majority of talent from South Panola ends up at Ole Miss? No, there's been a bunch through the years. Certainly. Okay, that's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. No, that's no, not a derogatory I term. You know, it's. No, I'm, that's I, just. That's, I, I didn't see take it. it that way. I just okay. thought it was an interesting way to do to uh, to describe it. So, yeah. what are you watching this weekend? You, you've got Army Navy tomorrow. You yeah. got a bunch of college State basketball Clemson for sure. State Clemson for sure. Got to watch that. Uh, watch the right. Saints on Sunday, of course. Um, for me, this weekend, you know, it's sort of a party weekend for me. We're, as soon as we get off the air here, we're headed to uh, my wife's Christmas party, her company Christmas party, and uh, excited yeah. about that. And then tomorrow night is our annual Christmas party here at the house. We'll have a lot of. Uh, the MSU media will be here along with some people, some friends of ours. So that'll be fun. Yeah, thanks for the uh, invitation. I did invite you, Richard Cross. I, I, I am neither part. I am neither part of the MSU media nor a friend of yours. So. I invited you and Borky, and Borky told me he was getting married. I didn't hear what your excuse was. Uh, I'm in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Well, that's what it was. You, I asked you, you couldn't get the Cross Nine Thousand fired up to get here yeah. after the game, but you said no. Yeah, the, uh, the private the jet. Falcon I know you're flying was in on. the shop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, and, and there's no wheels up con- uh, deal in my contract. No, no Nicholas Air. You need to negotiate um, better. You need to get part, that wheels up contract. like Herb Street has. Yeah, yeah. Something uh, along those lines. Uh, how about this? Here's, here's a closing nugget for you today. Sure. I, I don't know if you saw the story from uh, Greg Sankey. He was asked about UCF, and I'm not sure this was the best comparison. He said, "Well, you know, a couple of years back, we only got three teams in the NCAA tournament instead of looking outside." For what was wrong, we decided to go with introspection. Okay. We decided to look in at how to make ourselves better. Well, I, there are a lot of teams that won't play UCF. However, there's one that might. 
Scott Strickland says he would welcome a two-for-one series against in-state opponent UCF. Mm -hmm. He says, I'd be okay with scheduling them in the right situation. And that's something that Scott's done in the past. As opposed to just going for the big buy game, he likes the lower payment, playing two at your place and one on the road. Yeah. Think that'll happen? No. I don't. Because it's going to... it's. UCF right now is what USM was maybe 15, 20 years ago in that you talk about nothing to gain and everything to lose by playing them. Not good for Florida if they lose that game. And right. if they beat them, it's it's just, hey, you were supposed to. Here, here's the here's the counter quote from uh, Danny White. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged to hear that UF is open to the idea of playing us in football. Since I've been here, I've made it. Cl- it's been made clear to me that there wasn't much hope for that. Our scheduling philosophy has been transparent since I arrived, and we're open to a home-and-home series with any non-conference Power 6 opponent. Top 10 programs don't schedule two-for-one series where the balance is not in their favor. Mm. So, yeah, we're going to complain about who we can't play, but we're not going to play it on your terms. Right. There you go. Scott Strickland counters, we do home-and-homes with the likes of FSU and Power 5 teams. We haven't done any home-and-homes with non-Power 5 teams. I don't think we would start that. But I'd love to schedule UCF in a game. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We'll talk to you on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.